Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walshef. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. Today is April 16th, 2020. We will be releasing this episode on April 23rd, 2020, which is a very special day for sports fans, um, very special day for myself, NFL fans. It is the 2020 COVID NFL round one. Um, there's nobody better to have on the show this week than the great Lisa Ann, who is Sirius XM's fantasy football radio personality. She is also the goat of the adult entertainment business. She has also become a close friend of the restaurant. And part of what we talk about every week is digital hospitality is our thesis. Um, we've been able to do some incredible things in business as a small business because of the growth of literally of the smartphone. Um, our ability to use social media, to use the internet to get people to come and support our restaurant, to give back to our community, to interact with radio personalities, local media personalities, to talk about the charities that we're doing has given us so many opportunities that we would have never thought possible for our small business. And, you know, in digital hospitality, every business needs to be digital and nothing has been more evident than in during this coronavirus crisis where restaurants are closed, bars are closed, and the only ones that are open are doing to go and delivery. The only way to get your message out is by having a strong website, by having a strong e-commerce platform where you're selling food through your website. Um, where you're using media as well as social media to get the word out, to ask for help, to ask your community to support. Um, so excited to have you on the podcast today. Lisa Ann, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And you know, Sean, I am, you know, I know of you because of how hard you work to keep yourself out there. What you've done is you've created, you know, great customer service and a habit for people where they know they can guarantee when social media first started, which you remember is some people jumped all in and those of us who jumped all in were like from the go this has to be consistent it can be very demanding because it has a 24 hour clock right but you you establish your pattern you know when you need to be working on things you know when you need to be doing things and then you have this other half that maybe sometimes they return your your message maybe sometimes they don't i'm going to give you an example i have i don't know if you know about the dry bar the dry bar is where women go to get the hair blown out and I will tell you, I cannot wait to go back to the dry bar. And I've been making it work myself, but I had a problem once and I'm not a person that complains publicly because what's the point of publicly shaming somebody that you've had a two to three year great relationship with? There's one oops, which you can't really, one oops, people had a bad day. I don't know what happened to this person on their way to work. I DM them within five minutes. I get a phone call on my cell phone wow. and it's because they get it. Now the, that establishment started when we were already full swing, but yours didn't. And I'm fascinated by the fact that you had the mindset of like, I'm jumping on this because let's face it, it's cheaper than advertising. Even though you're spending money to create content, you're not deciding like what paper do people read? What section of the papers should I be in? Do I want to limit myself to the sports page? Do I want to be in lifestyle? You know, like that's just maddening. Um, and now you have this ability to get out there and have reach. And also you realize that you build this personal connection. And yeah. since we've been home in this self-quarantine life, I've been on my own since March 12th. For me, 
the NBA rocked my core because it changed my thought that younger, healthy people could be affected by this. And that was when I said, okay, it's time to take this really seriously. And for those of us who are creators and those of us who really fall into this we're kind of still doing the same thing that we were doing, right? Correct. We're working a bit harder at it, but we're, we're we're knee deep in it and it's keeping us alive. And by those people you meet on social media, for me, I've been going through a lot of old photos and I've met people in different countries as far back as 2005 that I still talk to on Twitter. And once you meet somebody in person, you never forget that moment of that conversation. And when their screen name comes up, which their, their name, it might not even be their actual name and they Correct. might not even have Abby with their actual picture, but you still remember who they are. And that just builds our relationship with our customers, our people, our community. It really is a community. For me, it's no different. I joked the other day and said, you know, me going strip club to strip club and and sexpo to sexpo was like my grassroots campaign to build this community (laughs) that now I could reach out to and be involved like with Dave and Jeff's podcast, then meeting you because you donated all that amazing food to their charity event for their 20 year anniversary, staying connected with you because I love everything you do. I love how active you are on social media. I enjoy seeing your posts. I love looking at what you've created in the takeout space, uh, the drinks, drinks. you know, which is great. Yeah, I'm sure they are because, you know, here some days my liquor store is open and some days it isn't. I get it. It's a single own him and his son. So they're probably just saying we'll just be open on Friday and Saturday. We'll close the rest of the week. It's not cost effective to be open. Nobody knows what's open. You've made this so fun. And they also have packaging that they're going to repurpose and you're going to be on their mind. And it creates that craving. How did you get so savvy when it came to marketing? Did you go to school for it? You know, it's, I went to school for sociology. I love people. Um, you know, I'm just fascinated with people, how they are in groups. And I think, you know, for us, it was a benefit that we opened in 2008 during the height of the economic recession. So we were already opening in a very tough location in San Diego that many of my friends who are very smart, very wealthy, location, 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 this was not the location that they, they would have advised us to okay. open in. So we didn't, we weren't successful off the bat and we had to figure out, fuck, I'm going to do anything possible to get people into this fucking restaurant. I'm going to okay. put a yellow page ad. I'm going to put a ad. I'm going to get on sports radio. I'm, you name it. We've done it. And okay. that was, that was literally 2008. The iPhone came out in 2007. So all these apps, Facebook, they created Facebook business, you know, Yelp started getting popular, you know, Google maps, all TripAdvisor, all these things were more things that a restaurant owner had to do, but we had to do it. I didn't give a shit which platform it was. I didn't sure. because if somebody came in, that was a big deal for us. You know, that Plus you had the time to do it. If you would have started out booming yes. uh, in a better economy, you may not have formulated your system. How are we approaching this? How often do we need to update it? Like it's just fascinating. It's also becomes fun because I don't know about you, but through not knowing where everybody is, some of your customers that you haven't seen, just them engaging with you on social media gives you this, oh, I'm so glad they're okay. Uh, they're healthy. Everything's fine. Like we've have a connection to go through this standstill that we wouldn't have had many, many years ago. It's, I mean, it's absolutely incredible. And you, you bring up, you know, just the connection and there are two, there are two types of people, people that went all in. And I had friends back then and they're like, why are you posting so much? I'm like, cause I'm trying to keep our fucking restaurant open a number one, but number two, that's just really who I am. It's my DNA. It's what I want to do. I share, you know, I share 
more things about my family than most people do, but we're a family business. And I don't, I want people to know that it's a family business. But back to your point, my grandfather, he grew up in a time where he was born in 1919. He came to the United States, became a medical doctor, but he would write a letter to his sister. It would take six months to get there. My wife Skypes for free or Vibers for free every single day. Her, yeah. father, her father, her mom, her brother, all the people in the village, they get to watch my daughter today took her first steps. Like ah, we get, so it, it's so amazing that, yeah. you know, we can post that and then our friends can see that and it makes them happy. You know, that that's the, you know, back to what's happening now. I mean, John Krasinski, some good news. I mean, how phenomenal is what he's doing Brilliant. on YouTube? Brilliant. Brilliant and great timing and also a great platform, right? He knew that the younger users, I mean, I have young friends that only listen to music on YouTube. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, oh, I plug it in my car. Yeah, the music video is playing, but I'm not watching it. I'm like, oh my gosh, like they have this roundabout way that they kind of do everything. You know, when I got into the adult business in the early 90s, of course, there was no internet. And I wanted to have a fan club because I wanted to be able to like market my feature bookings. And I remember going to my friends and saying, I'm buying a computer and I'm taking a class at Golden West College, a night class really? to learn to learn how to use print shop. Amazing. Because I, I had this idea of what a newsletter should look like and I want to do the heading. I want to have like one or two images. There'd be my tour dates. Like I had a vision from band flyers that I had seen, right? Awesome. So here I was. Second Tuesday or first Tuesday of every month, you know, I'd be printing them out. You'd have to go to Kinko's then. It yep. wasn't it wasn't cheap. I mean, they were charging you oh, a couple cents a copy. Yeah. Then I had to mail them. And if they were in different countries, I had to make sure the stamps were proper. And then I would get mail in return. It was money orders. So I had to take the money orders, you know, to the oh, bank. Yeah. Like I tell people today, like, you don't understand when you've taken that many steps, the internet is like, this is such a breeze. Sure. I can go on my Insta live every day and just tell my fans I'm okay. Make sure that they're okay. And make sure that, you know, this is an interesting time and you're blessed to have a family because I think families with children are going to benefit the most from this because this is connection time you'd never get back. No one's ever going to hand us this much time where the world is less pressure, less other birthday parties to go to, less running around. We're all always over-invited everywhere. We can't say no to anything. And now it's just you guys. Yeah. And I, I'm seeing that with my friends who have kids who are starting to like bake more, yeah. um, you know, sew some masks for each other. I'm like, this is what I grew up doing in Pennsylvania when it snowed for six months. We were in the house. I had my sewing machine. I was making my clothes for summer. Um, my dad was raising our garden in, in the garage, which we turned into a, a, a little, you know, like greenhouse because he had Italian fig trees and all these plants that were Italian to... fig trees, really. Yes, yes. We just yes. Planted, we planted our first fig tree yesterday. It was amazing. Oh. It's so, so awesome. They're not supposed to be in a winter climate, right? I mean, yep. when we would know it was getting cold out, my dad would go out there and wrap them with hemp, you know, and he would wrap blankets around them at night. I mean, he took great care of them. Uh, so this is bringing us back to a place in time where there was that simplicity of all that mattered what was going on in the home unit and the external was just extra. Yep. Uh, and we, we got caught up. And I think this is kind of a good, take a breath for everybody, take a beat. It's a master reset, you know? know 
I've been connecting with my friends a lot more on the phone, on FaceTime, on Skype. And, you know, we realized like, why do we not do this regularly? Like, why are we not making this a part of our normal lives? Why are I'm realizing that's what people are liking. And then there's the other side where I feel this divide, the same friends that resisted me teaching them Hootsuite and getting really into understanding social media. Yes are the same friends now that are watching the news every day and they're angry and they're, and they're posting angry things on social media and they're kind of regurgitating the news in, in their own mindset. And I keep reaching out to them. Like, this is like a pointless, once you surrender, then you realize this is out of your control. There's nothing you can do about it. And you never want to project negativity on social media. You know, you yeah. want to be warm for your people. You're building a community and communities break down when there's anger and hostility and people don't know how to process that with you. They don't know how to help you through that. And it's been interesting to watch kind of the divide really happening. You know, I think that's, that's a great point. One of the things that I love is there's social media, which becomes kind of PR, you know, it's your own personal PR, it's your own brand's PR, but then there's context, you know, and that's where you get the best out of life. You get not just the headline, but you get the story, you get underneath the onion to find out really what is this person about? What is this business about? You know, what is this community about? One of the things I'd love to hear you tell us from your perspective is the Dave and Jeff podcast, because Dave and Jeff have become such close friends to me, um, Dave Pallet. I live now in Eastlake. I live very close to him and his family. Jeff, I've had on the podcast, him and I became friends because I sent a tweet when Jim Trotter was promoting his, his book on Junior Seau on radio. They were talking, reminiscing about the times they used to go to fight night at Seau's restaurant. You know, that's when the, you know, these sports media guys got together and they watched fight night and we were hosting a Canelo fight that weekend. I sent out a tweet, invited them. They came and all of a sudden this digital hospitality made it into something more where they're some of my closest friends today. Um, tell me a little bit about the Dave and Jeff podcast and your, 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 your perception of, of what they're doing and um, your friendship with them. So I met Dave for the first time at Super Bowl 50. We were both working Radio Row. And at that time, I was still trying to plant my feet. I'll admit now, because I'm writing my second book and I'm really discovering what was going on in my mind. But when I was first making this transition into sports radio, I was fearful, not really sure how people feel about me. I don't know if people are going to judge me. I don't know what people want from me. I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if I'm going to be accepted in this world. So I was living in that doubt time. We all go through doubt time and it's kind of good because it's really humbling. So when I met Dave, he was just so genuinely nice. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy isn't creepy. You know, they're in California. I love San Diego. I go down there. I should probably keep in touch with him. Like I should probably learn more about him. And then I went and looked them up and then I started to listen. And, you know, I love a good podcast with friends that have history. I love the good sense of humor. It's lighthearted, but you still get the news. Okay. You still know what's going on in sports. Um, and I was like, okay, we, we just stayed in touch. And then when he asked me to be on the podcast, I realized their approach towards interviewing me really humanized me to a lot of people in your area who listen, where they're like, you know what? I'm, I'm putting my judgments aside and she's a cool chick and good for her. She's working hard. Oh, you know, she's a self-made girl. And I, and I started to get this like flood of constant 
kindness on social media. And these people were people that like I wanted to follow and I wanted to engage with and they never were off putting. Nobody was ever inappropriate. Everybody was just really supportive of my new life and, and this and that. So we just got closer and closer and going down to that anniversary party really brought it full circle to me because I got to meet so many people in person. And I don't know if you remember, but I was taking pictures with my I, camera as well. Absolutely. I mean, we, we catered the event and I, I absolutely remember it. It was, I mean, I, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing what they did as a podcast to, you know, raise that money to bring you in, to become, you know, to bring you into our San Diego sports community. And what was even more amazing was you, you know, you as a person, because somebody that's as, as famous as you are that have reached the levels, you don't know what you're going to get. And you're definitely, you blew all of us away because you cared about every person you talked to. You were so genuine. You were trying so hard to raise as much money as you could. I mean, all of my team, I had Lee, my security there. I had JC, I had Corey, who was running our social at the time, Steven doing the catering. Everyone was just so blown away at how amazing of a person you were. Well, you love people. I love yes. people. So of course, me being in the business kind of created this love hate with people where there'd be like this kind of people coming at me, but yet my friends laugh because I still love people so much. I'm always in search of. And I found that doing charity events was like the perfect neutralizer for me. Because who could be crappy to me when I'm doing a charity event, right? right? Yeah. And I started traveling around and doing it. And Dave and Jeff picked up on this. They're like, oh, you're hosting all these charity golf events. I'm like, yeah, it's a great way for me to meet people in the same areas where one day I would have been dancing at those clubs. But now I'm just meeting yeah. them on the course. I'm riding the cart around, delivering beers. Like, I'm that girl. I get to be normal with everybody else. So for me, it's just as valuable. And nothing I ever did changed how I interact with good people. And it shouldn't. No matter how famous you become, if you meet good people, you sense it, you feel it, you know, your internal compass is like warm and you're like, okay. And you, you, I just wanted to walk table to table. And my friends also know that I like to go to things alone. I don't love to bring friends because I like to walk around and talk to everybody. When you're alone, everybody talks to you because there's nobody there that they feel like they're interrupting. So that event, I just walked table to table. I met people. I took great photos of them. I followed them on social media. I sent them the photos. That was a fun after party project yeah. for me the next day. And I loved that. All of it was just fantastic. I mean, that, that, those are the things where you're making an impression. And, you know, one of the things we talk about every week on the podcast is what you can do as one person, as one small business, as, as a brand, there's so many opportunities in 2020 and, you know, COVID-19 has exposed us to a whole new world of understanding. I mean, I think a lot of what happens is businesses fear that they don't understand the technology or they don't have the team in place to, you know, post on Twitter or they don't know what to do with a Skype call. Listen, none of us know what to do. We, nobody knew what to do when we first started. You didn't know how to ride a bicycle and you started to ride the bicycle, but you know, it's important that you have to be on the bicycle. And I think, you know, looking at this Amazon Prime world that we're living in, it's really started to expose a lot of people that are at home that are very successful, that own very successful companies, starting to see, well, why is my brand not on Instagram? You know, why is my brand not on, why don't we have a voice on Twitter? You know, though, why are we not on LinkedIn? Why is my entire roster of my team not posting content that's our own content, not corporate content, but our own content, our own voice? Because that's what people want. Yeah, they, they want, want to know you. Correct. So this when- is, you know- 
it's it's like you, the it's like the dating app of life, social media, yeah. right? You might not be hooking up with these people, but you want to see what it's like when that person is out and about. Uh, what they like to do on their free time is that they like to ride a bike. Do they have dogs? Like all of this stuff builds more connections where you never forget that person. So let's get back to serious radio and your hesitation of getting into a space that is a male dominated space, but a space that you love. You grew up loving sports. How did your love of sports propel you to know that this is the move that I want to make? I want to move from L.A. I want to get to uh, I want to get to New York. And this is my next career. So in 2013, I was introduced through a Sirius XM show I was doing on Playboy Radio. The short of it is I was introduced to my boss, my boss now, who was in New York. And Farrell said to me, hey, Matt Deutsch had a fantasy football show that was three Playboy Playmates. The show is no longer, and I know he's looking for a female voice. Do you know fantasy sports? I'm like, I don't, but I can learn. I know sports. I can figure this out. So that week, I flew to New York. I met with him. And for three years, my first three years, I had a small studio apartment in New York City, and I still had my house in L.A. What I would do is I would do my dance gigs on the weekends, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, fly to New York on Sunday, do my show Monday, and then Tuesday morning, 6 a.m., I'd fly back to L.A. to shoot like Tuesday and Wednesday. So I was like, I just grinded it out my last but the reason I wanted to have a place here is I didn't want any doubt to be filled in anyone's mind. I know what I'm up against. I know my peers. I've seen there's, you know, some of the people in my business don't give me the best reputation just because maybe some of the things that they do. So I know I'm unique and I needed to have face to face with my bosses and I needed to go into the studio and I need to be present and I need to be willing to learn. And by being so close to the studio in the city, I was able to just reach out to every host, whether I was going to sit in and listen on their show, whether I was going to be a free guest. I did so much guest work because that taught me cadence, you know, how when I know a host is going to get ready to go to a break, you know, how I know to throw to a tease, like what I'm going to do. So I just took it as school time. And then after that third year, I moved back to L.A. full time and I started I got the equipment, the Comrex device to do my shows for home because no one wants to drive in L.A. The traffic is just horrendous. Never, you know, it's too stressful. So I was doing my shows from home. And then about every two months, I would come to New York to touch base with everybody. But it was around the trip that I took to Italy right before the event where I met you. I was in Italy for a month. And that was like a gap month of my life to really make a plan and say, where do you want to be and when? And I knew by 2020, I wanted to fully commit to radio. I wanted to move back to New York full time. I wanted to let my bosses know that anything they needed, I was game. I would take classes. I would do whatever they wanted. And since I've been back, I got here mid-December, got settled in my apartment. Since I've been back, amazing things have happened. Uh, The Morning Men show on Mad Dog Sports Radio were taking off for a week, and they asked if I would replace them for a week. So that was 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. slot, like a real fun morning show that I did a ton of appearances on. I know their audience. I know their tweeters. I know all their followers. I've been to their events. So I felt like I'm talking to people I already know. I'm not nervous, but this is going to be 6 a.m. You know, you go to bed at eight. I would get up at three. I'd watch the night games from LA at three in the morning while I drank my coffee in bed, walk to the studio in the dark, um, get in there at 5.30, do some social media, let everybody know I was in the studio. You have this rhythm. 
And I realized like, and then after every show, I would get to go up and talk to my bosses. They would give me notes, things that I need to work on. They're telling me I'm very coachable. And I'm already seeing since I did that, how much more confident I am. Cause I just got thrown into it. Right. Those shows were stressful because I was like, this is four hours. I'm the lead. I, I'm running this. Yeah. A long time coming. And it was what I needed. I needed that crash course. And I just feel so comfortable. I'm on camera enough, but I like being on radio more. I use my camera time for social media and for whatever clips they want, but I don't want to chase a TV sports career. I'm past that. You know, I'll be 48 in May and I enjoy the fact that I'm not stressing anymore about what I look like. You know, you get a little bit older, you start looking at younger photos, you're on camera. People are always telling you, you know, maybe you need to lose weight. Maybe you need to change your hair. You know, my friends that do it are always so stressed out. So this is such a comfort. And so my first year, I only did football, which meant I only worked for six months. Mm -hmm. And then I realized like, I gotta make this a regular gig. How do I make this a regular gig? Well, very few women cover fantasy baseball. That's very true, very true. Okay, it's a pretty pretty geeky thing. How do you throw yourself into that? So I had to study baseball first because though I'd been to stadiums in my travels to just check out stadiums, I didn't really understand the game. I didn't understand what all was happening when it looks like the game is so still. The pitcher and the catcher are communicating, the shit that's going down in the dugout. Like there's a lot of people silently talking, sign stealing, you know, all of this, right? As we now know about. Um, And so I studied it. My co-host goes to a lot of Mets games. He started taking me to games. I just did tons of mock drafts, tons of mock drafts. Of course, my first season, I get thrown into like a 15-team Roto League. Like I said to my boss, like, this is the worst thing you could. Can I just be in a 12-team head-to-head, which I hear fun? Um, So I made it through that 15-teamer the next year, and I didn't do well. It was like second to last place. The next year, he put me in a 14-team Roto. I finished in second place, and I told him, I'm done with the Roto now. I'm going to set up leagues for my shows. They're going to be fun. They're going to be 12 team. They're going to be head to head. So I still play. So I learned like, this is where I'm comfortable. I really like doing it. I bring value because a lot of the sports people, especially in fantasy sports, aren't as great on social media, right? Aren't as into it. Well, I, I mean, I think that's one of the most refreshing things for me is seeing somebody with your experience, understanding that back to us as a small business, nobody's going to promote ourselves. And when you're a media company, you think that just because you're distributing it, that people are going to know that it's there. But there's all these different platforms where different people are interacting different than Facebook's different than the uh, Instagram user is different than the Facebook user. But if you're not there, it's it's not that they don't know that your show's on. It's just as a reminder. It keeps it top of mind. You're repurposing content and they understand that oh my God, yeah, that's where I'm going to go. Like, that's the sponsor. That's the show that I want to go and listen to that. That's the world that we live in. And there's a formula, right? Because like you said, each platform, there's also users have different viewing experiences. Some people like videos, some people like photos, some people just want to read text. Like, and you got to go down each lane and keep it really balanced. And I think for you and I, once it becomes rhythmic, like I know if my show is at 10, I'm going to be at the studio at nine because then I can go and set up my, my stand in the coffee shop and I could shoot a couple videos Then I can go on Periscope in the lounge where there's the cool serious X. Like I know everywhere there's a decent set looking where I can get a clean frame. 
And I can always find a spot where there's no people, you know yeah. what I mean? So I'm not bothering anybody else. But once you get used to them, those things take me an extra 20 minutes. And it's it's a lot of value to my bosses. And I also will say, you know, coming from the adult industry, working in a ton of strip clubs, that being my life, I started dancing at 16 with fake ID. You know, I was always hustling. You know, I was on my own. Um, so, you know, I've, I'm working for people that I really like. They make me feel good. Their energy is great. I mean, when you walk in a serious building and you're on your floor, like everybody says hi to each other. Everybody's pleasant. I'm not used to that. This whole experience has made me finally understand what people say they're born again. I get that now because there becomes this newness to your life that just everything. And when you like the people around, you want to work harder. You want to go out of your way. You know, you know, we're, we're yesterday I was working with a producer that I had worked with before. And I said to him, Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know you, Justin. He goes, you do know me. We met once. He goes, do you remember when we had a trade show in New York and there was a guy with a cart and the elevator was broken and you saw him and you came over and you you said, let me go and get the concierge and see if there's a service elevator. He goes, yeah, that was me. He goes, I've told everybody I've met that you went out of your way. I go, but dude, you work for Sirius. You had all the equipment. Like what kind of person? He goes, well, other people I knew walked by, you know, but it's, you know, they've brought that out in me because as great as I think they are, they make me want to be greater. So I'm just really happy to have found this place where, I'm really comfortable in my own skin. I'm doing something I love. The fact that I get to lay on the couch and watch football all day (laughs) and write notes. You know, I'm a loner. You know, I like to be around people to a degree, but then I'm an extrovert and an introvert at the same time. So to just have that day where I make a special breakfast and I'm analyzing my fantasy teams and I watch, I'm like, can you believe it's my job to sit here and watch all these games? That's pretty awesome for somebody who schlepped suitcases through airports for almost 30 years. Well, you know, one of the things that I admire the most about you is not just your energy, your humanity, how much you, it's infectious. How you act is infectious. And that's something that when people meet you, that's why you said having those interactions, meeting the producers, letting them know, I'm not bullshitting you. I will learn this and I will learn it more than anybody else. And I will add so much more value than any other host will, because that's something that other people can't offer. And your life experience has allowed you to do that. Your commitment to your brand, who you are, it you're teaching so many other people to do what has made you successful, which in this day and age, now we all know if you're not on the cell phone, that's an issue. You know, mm-hmm. as much as, you know, we we all love radio, XM and FM radio, Sirius Radio's internet radio, but, you know, for us... If we you don't have, have an app, you're doomed. We have the to serious, yep, we The serious app. Yep, we do. And I'll say this. There's part of me that never forgets that there was a time in my life where, you know, I don't have a relationship with my family anymore. That ended in 2015 and we never went back. But it's been intermittent in my whole life. There was a 20-year span. I didn't talk to my dad. We didn't have any connection. There was times when my parents just, like, kind of break up with me and then I try to make it better and then they break up with me. And this time after the breakup and them not reaching out, once during COVID, I'm like, okay, we're done for good now. And it's okay. Cause not everything works and it's okay. If they don't know how to love me, I, I realize my situation might be to them. One thing, the way I view it is one thing, 
But when I go back to remembering them telling me so many times, every time I visited my parents, they told me I ruined my life by doing porn. They told me I would never get another job. They told me nobody was ever going to love me. They told me and they would tell me these things. And so and I just felt like I kind of had to be the whipping post because they were disappointed. You know, and I would justify it as like they're just disappointed in me. And then as I built this strength of not having that roller coaster ride in my life, I've realized, wait a minute, I'm self-made. They didn't have to bail me out of jail. I never got in trouble. I never hurt anybody. Um, I never sold drugs or did anything illegal. Everything I did was legal. That's uh, That was the parameters I stated. I saved my money. I've done nothing but improve my own life. And so I've realized that this job helped me get over so many years of them convincing me that like my life was over. And so I walk into this serious building with my little ID badges and I get in that elevator and I just have such this sense of like, oh my gosh, that's not true. I have a job. I'm in corporate America. I work with people that really care about me. Um, my boss's wife sent me masks like immediately, like wow. everyone's checking on me because they know I don't have a relationship with my family and uh, it's just loving, right? So we get, we get, people don't realize that you get overwhelmed with negativity and because I don't share it, I was still carrying it. So yeah. that's another reason why I work so hard is because I remember all that negativity back here. I'm glad it's over, but it still gave me a lot of doubt. You can't just erase that doubt. That was years upon me going, oh, I'm never going to have a job. When I got this job, my friends, my best friend said this to me. She goes, you can either be so good after your first year contract that they can't fire you or you can just let it be a one year contract. And it was like a flash in the pan, right? Could have been yeah. one or the other. Yeah. And she was so right. She's like, you better be so good that there's no way they can fire you. And that's what I did. That's so awesome. I mean, it's something that it's, it, it just speaks volumes that you're willing to commit and, you know, having played fantasy football since God, it had to have been, I think, you know, me and my best friends from high school, we, we've been in a, a league since 2006, you know, and it's something that it's, it's a virtual experience. Yes, we do a live draft, but it's a virtual experience that especially now in 2020, it's allowed us to develop a deeper relationship with each other because that's oh. literally the thing that connects us every single year, no matter what. Yeah. Like, I know I'm going to see them at the draft and I know we're going to interact every single week. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to smack talk all day on Sunday in the app, like all my yeah. Yahoo leagues. I love the chat. Your player gets injured. I'm sending so many smack talk posts to you about our matchup. Like it's the best. You're right. It is family. Really it, fantasy sports really brings people and keeps people together. When I meet people like yourself that I had a league for so long, I meet guys that have been a league since they were in college 30 years ago. That is actually their reunion. Yeah. And then that gives them three, four months to just stay close. So then we just connect summer happens or out with their kids. <laughs> Here comes August. It's draft yep. season, and here we are again. Nothing's changed. It's the Same best. Same thing. Well, yes. I mean, we, you go from college to now people are getting careers, and then they're starting to have families, and you're all trying to juggle it, and you're trying to say, well, how do I study my lineup? How do I set my lineup? How do I make sure that – but you – depending on the league, you know the players, and you're like, I'm not losing to that asshole. Yeah. Like one last year, no way. Like I have to, I have to figure it out so that I set a proper lineup and I do the best job possible. Do you have yeah. any tips for people with, that want to get involved in fantasy football? 
So, you know, it's really about paying attention and don't overwhelm yourself with information. You don't, you know, you can take Monday and Tuesday off from the news cycle. So if you're going to be listening all week and you're going to be setting your lineup, you're going to be checking if you have any players in the Thursday night game, then you're going to go back to, I found after my first year, I don't want to hear about everybody on the injury report on Monday because I've learned from players, nothing really happens on Monday. They're just going in for meetings. Tuesday, yeah. like, you tell me Wednesday if I should start sweating <laughs> my player. But right. Tuesday, you know, whatever your waiver wire is, unless it's just open free agency, some, you know, you can win a league on the waiver wire. You always got to be paying attention. When Fitzpatrick got hot last season, I was like, you know what? Let me see if Devontae Parker is available in any of my leagues, you know, and he was available in like four of my leagues. And I was like, and Devontae Parker was the Devontae Parker he should have always been. But who would have thought Fitz Magic would have made it happen? So you got to pay attention. And if you find one analyst you really like or one podcast you really like that's giving you your info, I know everybody starts with Matthew Barry, ESPN, yeah. Fantasy uh, fantasy Focus. Like, that's such a great podcast, great production value, great music, great social media. Like, you just love it. I, I know every kitschy theme song, every, every sound bed that's coming next because I listen to it so much. Find one you like listening to and make it part of your routine. you got to pay attention. you got to study. And, you know, sometimes you got to go with your gut you know like i'm i'm saturday also you know it's like right now i don't know if you know but i'm doing influencer work with bovada and one of the things i've been able to bet on is the yeah. weather oh really and and it's funny because I know that right now it's easier to bet the under because there's less man-made heat in most cities because there's less traffic, there's less people out, right? So I'm like all into this. Saturdays, I start to obsess on the weather for football. And I realize I can get two in my own head because I'll look up like quarterbacks and be like, how does he play in the rain? Okay, let me go up and look up. And then I realize like six hours later, I'm still studying like, and I'm like, well, this is too much. You know what I mean? Just go by the little image on Yahoo, uh, Yahoo, it's going to tell you, but I get to that deep. And that's when I know, like, I didn't really want to play the Rams or the Chargers in these, in that, those bad stadiums. Yep. I was like, I just felt like, I, I think that really hurt Phillip Rivers. Yes, he's getting older, but I think we're going to see him come back down to being the quarterback that he's been more consistent. He'll be a great value in fantasy because everybody's going to write him off, but he's playing in front of a better line yep. than he had in the Los Angeles Chargers. But you look at those two stadiums. I went to the Coliseum for a game. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's not even designed properly when the sun starts to set, you got winter and sun starts to set. You got sun in the player's eyes like, I'm out. So I analyze those things as well. It seems obsessive. But these things all play a factor in fantasy football. Absolutely. Do you think it's more important that do you win the league on draft day or do you win the league by running the waiver wire and understanding how to set a proper lineup? Uh, a good combination of both, but I really think draft day is a blueprint. Okay. It's really a blueprint because we have injuries. We have things that happen. You may have taken Saquon Barkley and then he got injured and you're like, Oh no, I, I was counting on everything. So if you get too stuck on draft day, you fall apart when things start to shift. Setting a good lineup is of course, incredibly important. But what we tend to do is we look at the projected scoring from all of the sites that we yeah. use. And that yeah. kind of sometimes you, know that this running back that says he's only going to get 6.10 points and you're playing, you know, you're going to play the Drake instead and you know he's going to get outscored. So setting a good lineup is important, not over tankering. You know, you set your lineup, yep. you walk away and you're like, I just oh, yeah. don't feel good about it. 
I'm going to go and change it. And then you change it so many times that actually maybe you didn't save it or, you know, cause some of the sites that I play on, if you have to save it, like NFL site, you have to save it, which is so annoying, you know, cause you, you, Yahoo, you don't. So, and the waiver wire, because the most important thing about the waiver wire is not necessarily your team, but it's about making sure that your opponents can't be stacking their bench. So you should try to make a move a week. You know, I'm also a big, if it's an easy, if it's not like I'm in leagues where it's fab free agency, blind bidding. So you have to go in there and hope you get players. I like to stream defenses. You can't really waste moves on streaming defenses in those leagues, right? But I do like to stream defenses, but I say it's really about the total package, but don't get so set because I've seen awful drafts and I've seen those teams really come out and make it all the way to the championship. What do you think is going to happen um, given what we're dealing with with coronavirus? Do you actually think we're going to actually have fans in stadiums and playing NFL football this fall? I don't think we'll have fans in stadiums. I think we'll get back to playing, but I don't think we'll have fans in stadiums, which I think is smart for right now. And also, you know, we're so comfortable at home. Most of us have great televisions. We have the NFL packs. We have red zone. We have everything. Let's face it. You know, we'll be okay. Not going to games. I think until there's a vaccine, we should just be looking out for each other. And as much as you want to have that experience, um, it might just be best. Now, if some stadiums decide to slow open, I know California won't, um, uh, city already said no 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 there were no games with fans he's and governor newsom's been pretty firm as well yeah. you know but are we going to sit distantly apart you know how are we going to operate this the vendors come in contact with so many people it's really about that exposure but we just need to have games yeah like really to me it's like i'm not even hung up on the fans thing like you could just put a million you saw in where is it in Taiwan where they're using robots and mannequins like, at the baseball games? Yeah, I saw that. It was it was kind of free, it was kind of creepy. <laughs> where do they store those things? I was so oh, no. creeped out. So whatever we get, but you know, for me, the talk about how they want to do things for baseball and basketball, my real concern is how do the players feel about this? Yeah. Are they okay being away from their families? Are they worried if there's a family emergency or if someone gets sick who's going to take care of their kids? You know, I, I just think we have to think of them. So I'm hoping they can come up with something that really works. Um, I have to bring up the fact uh, Jay Glazer last night. Did you see he made a 24-hour notice that he had a big sports story to drop and then everyone had to tune into his show last night at 11 p.m.? I didn't see it, actually. So everyone's on the hook all day. We're as sports fans, you know, in our minds. Somebody's talking about there's going to be an Odell trade. Like, we're, we're all over the charts. He was announcing that a Rams player has tested positive twice. Oh, come on. He's, he's fully recovered now. And I just thought that was the most low-hanging fruit in the absolute world. People, it was a bloodbath on Twitter. I did the sure. smart thing. I unfollowed him for now. And I didn't comment because I was like furious because to me that derails the potential of sports coming back. I mean, I'm not trying to keep it a secret, but if you're going to list somebody that tested positive, you're going to list the other 200,000 people as well. Cause they're just as important as a football player. Um, you know, everyone's losing family members and not being able to be with them at the end of it, not being able to have a service, all of these things. And that was what he announced. And I was like, to me, I went to bed thinking, does this hurt our outcome? of games now like even more like you just shot us in the face as sports fans you put out bad news like we don't need bad news right now we need to know that yeah. we're going to get rapid testing 
um, that we're going to have our players safe and that we're going to be at home making snacks and your locals will be getting Cali comfort barbecue and drinks. And we need to know that. I mean, I, I don't think baseball can start before August. I don't, basketball is just such a close confined sport for the athletes themselves. And I think it showed itself by them being the first to contract the virus. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with Howard Stern. So when I was 18 years old, I was working at some strip clubs, but Philadelphia, North Jersey. And at that time, Howard had a show on WORTV. That's where the Howard Stern show was. And they used to have his people come in and they'd hire strippers. And we would do the 1-800 dial-a-mattress ads where we'd jump up and down (laughs) on the bed in the bikini to snap a girl. So my first experience, my hair was about this big. I was like 5'8 with my hair. Um, My first experience was late teens getting to be on the Howard Stern show. And it was also my first gig where I ever got like residual checks. I was like, what is this about? I'm still getting checks from this thing when I was young. Uh, And then it just kind of continued on watching his life, being a guest, being in the fantasy football league for the Stern show for a couple of years, working to get back in that league this year. But now being a part of Sirius, you really realize what he's done and what he's created and what he made possible. And over these past couple of weeks, I think a lot of Stern fans that got busy and maybe didn't listen have gone back to listening. Now the app is so easy to use. You can hear everything on demand. Everything is properly labeled. So if you only have time for short segments, I will say that I think Howard is bringing it even more from his home. And I wonder if he's ever going to want to come into studio that's, again. What does he question. need to? It's a good question. I mean, his, his, his interview with Tom Brady, his interview with Governor Cuomo, I mean, it's, it's must-listen radio, which he's been doing for such a long time. But he, his craft and the way that he treats the media and radio specifically, I mean, he did such a great job in his in his most recent book, explaining how he started to treat guests, giving them the humanity that they deserve. And it wasn't just slapstick radio. And I mean, it's such a powerful book because he intellectually goes through what he was thinking then and how he thinks now. And then he gives you the interview, which, I mean, for, for me, being a fan of talk radio, being a fan of Stern, um, it's just it's something that's so powerful. What have you been doing? I haven't doing? read his new book yet, so oh, thanks for letting me know. I'll download it today. Oh, it's amazing. Okay. You will absolutely, it's absolutely phenomenal. Tell me what you're doing now with your second book as opposed to what you wanted to do with your first book. So right now, my entire dining room table is covered with the printed chapters, and I feel that I have the body of the stories that I want to tell, how I've gotten to this place, and now I'm really shaping those stories. And what I've been doing is I've been really enjoying master classes. Um, they ran this unlimited classes yeah. for 180 for the year, and so I've been taking all the creative writing classes, like you know all your favorite authors teaching you how to be a better writer. So now I'm really shaping it to make it palatable because what I realized is unless you're a person like a Howard Stern and someone's going to sit with a big book for me it was Michelle Obama she put that big book out and I was like I'm not intimidated I love Michelle Obama I'm gonna read this Oprah could put out a book this big and I'd read the whole thing but (laughs) 
The younger generation wants something quicker. They yeah. want something more fun. You got to wrap up these stories. The best book I ever read that did that was Tina Fey. Her yeah. book, Bossy Pants. I read it one flight, coast to coast, LA to New York. Um, and it let you closed it and said, if she wrote another one tomorrow, I'd read it. That's kind of what I want the feel for this one to be. It's really about the evolution of in these past five years since 2015, when I released my first book, The Life, these past five years, I've changed and evolved and grown and learned more about myself than all of the years before. How is that even possible? But it took this, this time. And so really about all of that, you know, I wrote, I wrote really detailed the last time I saw my family and I wanted to kind of tighten up that chapter first. Cause it's a little bit sad, you know, and there's, uh. and, but I was writing as I was going through experiences. After I wrote my first book, I started really journaling and I went back into those journal entries and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad I wrote this. Cause there's so much detail to the day and to where we were and like everything from the temperature that I feel like I'm there. That's amazing. So, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I just want to get over that hump because that's really the start of like really being broken down to nothing. And then that real rebuild and then really finding yourself and then just being like, oh, wow. Okay. This is, this is great now. Okay. This can happen. And it's transformation, you know, and it's just, and, I, and anyone can transform and it's not easy and you have to want to just keep sticking to it. It's easy to fall back into habit or something simple, but the battle is worth fighting. How do you, how do you focus on mindset? How do you put yourself in, how do you find your center every single day? Uh, working out, you know, taking that hour to myself where I just listen to music. I don't listen to a lot of music as much as I'd like to. I have been more now since there's no sports, but I'm sure you're kind of the same. Like I can listen to talk radio all day. All the time. So, I, I, so the only time I listen to music is when I'm working out. So it's kind of yeah. like my, you know, my time with music. And I feel like if you're really focused on working out, it's very similar to meditating. Your your phone's away. You're just counting and you're breathing, and you're really focused on your breathing and doing that for that one hour of day and just feeling a little bit more of those endorphins come through me really helps me. I'm pretty routine uh, with you know liking to be starting to unwind to go to bed by 10 o'clock, starting to walk away from my devices for sure. Either a book or something simple like the office to just watch, to fall asleep to, but making sure that like I'm turning everything off and I'm getting in a shower and putting on, like telling yourself you're winding down and not going back. I haven't watched the news for two and a half weeks because the news just really devastated me how this, I mean, this isn't awful situation. You can read the numbers online. You can follow your favorite scientists, doctors, and reporters. You can read what you need to read. But the way this was sensationalized, and I, it, the two and a half week part was when they started showing the freezer trucks here in New York City. And the reporters yeah. were doing a story and there's people, there's dead people with sheets wrapped over them getting stacked in these freezer trucks. And I was just like, I can't, like, I can't look at this. How could you show this to us? It's so heavy. That's going to push me out of my mindset because now I'm going to think about all of their families and do they know yet? And how are they labeling them properly? And is everything going to be okay? And like, 
it's it's awful, but I'm going to follow the rules. I know what to do and what not to do. So I think knowing your limits is really important for staying in a positive mindset. I don't watch graphic television. I don't watch like I can't do Ozark. Like I, I just it's not where I want to go when I want to relax. I'll watch anything Reese Witherspoon's in. I'll watch, you know, I'll watch a lot of rom coms, a lot of simple TV, 30 Rock. I love Tina Fey, anything with Tina Fey in it. That's where I want to go. That keeps me where I need to be. You just got to know yourself and you got to know your limits. And I know my limits. And when things get negative, even a little bit with sports TV right now, like sports yeah. radio can be fun, but even sports TV, don't keep analyzing baseball with no fans and complaining and, you know, like create some content. I know you're limited right now, but let's do history on athletes. Let's do something. Yeah. Let's, I think we could be knowing more about the draft, this, this upcoming draft class. They could be doing sure. a 30 minute special on each kid and all the t- he's put together over time i'd be watching that yeah. but instead they're going to the clickbait you know so i just know my limits and it helps me stay in the mindset and i'm not afraid to say um they'll take a nap for 20 minutes if i'm a little bit tired midday and i have the freedom to do that i just like to be at my own pace that's phenomenal what uh when when can we expect the book and are you self-publishing the second book i think I might because I was going to go through a publisher and now my fear is that everyone's book that was going to get published is now on hold and now they're going to be in front of mine and they'll make you wait a year or two years. I like the fact that it takes me less time to put it out. I like the fact that I have control over the books. You know, They're in uh, North Dakota somewhere in a warehouse. When I need them, I get them to me. Amazon buys directly from the warehouse from me. It's simple. You know, yeah. It's just real simple. And I, and I have my, my finger on the pulse of it. I'm hoping to have it out by the end of this year. We'll see how things go with printing. We'll see how behind companies are, but I will have the writing done by this shutdown. And, and also I'm starting to work with an editor. So then I start reading and we're just reading side by side right now, computer by computer, chapter by chapter out loud. I'm at the recording stage. I'll record a chapter and then I'll go walk around the city and listen to it. And then I'll come back and write notes like that didn't tell the story well or that didn't sound smooth because I want to figure what it's going to sound like in somebody's head when they're reading it. So I've already taken up enough of your time. But before you go, I wanted to, first of all, get a plug for Bovado because we have a lot of sports fans that have been gambling that I know of since high school. So whether it was legal or not legal, I'm not going to throw them under the bus, but I know they would love um, an incredible site. And can you tell us a little bit about your uh, relationship with them? So, yeah, it's been so much fun. You know, I was so fortunate uh, to be able to go to shoot some content for Bovada at the Super Bowl this year. Going to the Super Bowl was an incredible experience. Um, You can go to the site and use my promo code. They will match up to $1,000. That's at Bovada. And my code is BVLISA1000. And you can hear me three nights, three days a week on Sirius XM. Monday nights is Lisa Ann does Fantasy at 10 p.m. Thursday morning, 7 to 9 a.m. is Fantasy Football Morning. And then Friday nights is Friday Night Fantasy 8 to 10. And I'm also getting a new show next week. So I'm going to be on about five days a week, which is pretty exciting. I just found out yesterday. Oh, I said to my boss, I said, am I really having a come up right now when the world is in crisis? Are you guys really calling me to? Because, you know, I'm, I'm thanking them every week. Like, thank you for keeping me working. Thank you for keeping the producers. You know, they're working a lot harder right now. Like, I'm just thanking everybody. They called me 
finance. They're like, yeah, we'd like to add some shows. I'm like, this just can't be my life. And they're like, you're working really hard and we really see it. So you'll be hearing me more. You can follow me on social media at the real Lisa Ann. And, you know, I love you. And as soon as we could travel again, like, listen, I'm not really looking to do, I realized like, I don't want to go and host events at strip clubs anymore. I'm, I'm, I, after this, like, I wasn't sure. And now I'm just like, you know, the exposure. No, I just want to travel to see my friends. Yeah. That's all. That's like for the next year, all any freedom I have, I just want to be, and it doesn't be large groups of friends. I just want to sit across a diner table from my friends and just see people and connect and have an hour or two conversation in person. I mean, I told my best friend yesterday, if I could just sit and stare at you at your husband and your dog in your backyard for eight hours and not talk, I would give a million dollars for that right now. (laughs) I miss them so much. it is such an honor. It's such a privilege. Um, you didn't mention The Life, which is your first book, which is absolutely phenomenal. You get to learn about how you worked with Larry Flint, how you battled all the battles that you, how you became an entrepreneur, or you worked at Karma Spa, you you dealt with actually trying to run an agency. Um, you got to be in an Eminem video. I mean, you've yeah. lived such an incredible, The Life. I mean, it, it's aptly named book and so phenomenal. Um, we're so grateful that you've helped us with the charities down here with the Dave and Jeff podcast. Um, grateful Always. that you've helped our restaurant by buying gift cards. Um, that means yeah. the world to us. Our family is so grateful. And uh, I know our listeners are going to absolutely love this episode and love keeping on following you. So, And by the way, it's routine now. We have to give a shout out to Penelope. Yeah. Um, you know, baby Penelope, who baby is now Penelope. a baller already. I love baby Penelope. She gets a shout out every time. I love the name. And they were having the baby during this crisis and I was so worried about them. And I only met him once. I met him at the charity event. And when I found out he was going to be, his wife was going to be going to the hospital. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so worried. So such a relief that Penelope is the gift that comes out of this for all of this. That's the best. Lisa Ann, thank you so much for your time. You're amazing. Thanks. appreciate it. 